Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. You guys are excited for the Christmas season, candlelight and all that. It's going to be good. It's good to see you guys. You know, I, I think the theme that the Holy Spirit's had with us this morning, uh, it is around that hope. It is around the hope of Jesus. But the fact is this, the tendency of our culture and the tendency of a lot of the way that we go through these seasons is we move so fast that, that we outpace or we forget or even ignore the hope that we're supposed to be focused on, that we're supposed to depend on. And so I want to talk about that this morning. How do we stay full? How do we live on full? Our first text is going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. If you got your Bibles, Bible apps, we'll have it on the screens as well. When you've got it, say, I've got it. Okay, all right. Some of y'all were really fast. You guys, you guys did really good at sword drills. Sword drills back in Sunday school. Okay, Ephesians 3, 16. This is Paul. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Okay, that's the only way you're really strengthened. It's by his spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together. Everybody say together. Together with all Lord, the Lord's holy people. Okay, so here's the thing. You, you can experience God move in your life, just you and him. But the design that he has, the way that his power manifest best is when we're together as the body of Christ, when there's unity as the body of Christ. It goes on to say, you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. How many of you remember that song? Deep and wide, deep and wide. Like those songs are like the most exciting thing that happened in his Sunday school when I was growing up. It's like, ooh, it's got a little, come on, a little get up to it. Together with, uh, sorry, moving forward. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that's important. Some of us, we get so trapped in our minds and so trapped in our intellect that we miss the supernatural love of God that he has for us. That you may be filled. Everybody say filled to the measure of all the fullness, everybody say fullness, of God. It says it this way in 1 Peter 1.18, for you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, Christmas presents, or Christmas parties, or another cup of coffee, or all that. It wasn't that. As my son brings the whole family coffee. 
that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. How do you live on full? When do you fill your car up with gas? All right, because I find that there's categories. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to take a survey right now uh, because I want to know. And I know some of you, you never give me any feedback. And it hurts my feelings. And so I just, can you just do it? Just, it's going to be fun, okay? I'm not keeping track, all right? But I'm just curious, okay? All right, so here's the first person. How many of y'all, when you see this, you're like, oh, oh, no. How many of y'all feel like you need to get gas as soon as you see that you need gas? Anybody? We've had, we always have a couple of people in the room. All right. Okay. I don't know why you feel that way. I cannot relate to that, but okay, that's fine. And then you got this. Okay. How many of y'all, once it gets half the tank, you're going to like, I'm filling up. Now, I find a lot of times the people that, that fill up at half a tank, they do that because they ran out of gas before. And they never want to be in that place ever again, right? So like, I better just get it now so it doesn't go all the way down. And then you got this. This is, this is kind of the next level, right? How many of y'all, when you're at a quarter of a tank, quarter of a tank, you're like, okay. And that seems very reasonable, you know? It seems like a reasonable time to make that decision, okay? But then you got these people. Where are my people at? Where are my people at? What? We live by faith, not by sight. Oh, man, we put our hope and trust in the Lord. <laughs> and all of us that drive like this, well, what happened was we made driving a game. <laughs> right? Because we're like, all right. I know I went 376 miles on the last day, but I bet I can go 378. Today, we break in the record again. Nobody cares about your record. But this is how we also wind up looking, all of us that drive that way. This is how we look. Look how sad he is. That's his car in the back. You know, he's got that luggage thing on top, so he's on a family trip. So his wife's in there ticked. Why didn't you get gas when I told you to get gas? I don't know why she talks like that. Smokes a little too much if she talks like that, probably. Kids are in the back. And, um, but you know what? He's also thinking, broke the record. <laughs> broke the record. Went a little further. How do you keep your tank filled? Like you personally. When we get to December, it seems like everything speeds up a little bit. Emotions are heightened. Feelings are heightened. Temptations can loom larger. And all those things affect your tank. How many of you, you get to the end of this month and you just feel like, I am so done. I'm out. You're out of gas spiritually relationally, financially, 
out. Just spent. But here's the thing. I think there is a way that you can finish this year full. How do you win this year full? Like walking in the fullness of God like Paul prayed. Let's start by being aware of the few reasons why people typically run out of gas. The first one is this, by not starting out with a full tank. How you start your day sets your day. But if you don't start out your day with a full tank, that means at some point during the day, you're gonna be empty. And, and when that happens, everyone's gonna know. The people you work with, they're gonna know. Your family, they know, they feel it, they see it. Your spouses, your kids, they see that, they feel that. So I wanna encourage you to do something. Some of you, you already do this. You already have the rhythm of this, the, dis this, the discipline of it. I want you to wake up and move slow. Wake up and move slow. How? I would venture to say that if you woke up just 10 minutes, 15 minutes earlier than your normal routine, and you set aside those few minutes where you are going to intentionally move slow. You're gonna go in, you're gonna push the start button on the coffee maker. You're gonna go to your spot. You're gonna identify a spot. You're gonna get your Bible. You're gonna get a journal. You're gonna get a devotional out. You're gonna pour yourself a cup of coffee and you're gonna sit without agenda as much as possible, not thinking about the fast that happens after the slow, but knowing that if you don't get the slow, the fast is gonna drain you. You've gotta start with your tank full. So you're just gonna spend some time in the presence of God. Maybe you're gonna pray, maybe you're gonna pray in the spirit. Maybe you're gonna get some worship on. Put your earbuds in and you're just going to start the day slow. You can either uh, finish this year spiritually strong or not. What I want for you as your pastor is for you to finish strong, but not even just to be that you figured out how to finish December strong but you, fig you figured out how to start every day full. Another thing that'll put you on empty, being too busy to stop and refuel. When you're too busy to stop and refuel, you're gonna run out of gas. You ever been driving and thought, I'm, I just don't have time to stop and get gas. I don't have time to stop and get gas. Like, you know you need to, but I don't have time. I'm in a rush, and that means you're testing the limits. 
So how does that relate spiritually? Well, if you're too busy for quiet time or you're too busy to be faithful to the body of Christ in church, then you're too busy. You're too busy. And what I've seen in my own life is that I can have a really busy life and have a very barren soul. And, and the, you can have what seems like a very full, successful, productive life and your spirit is just shriveled up and barren without much life. God knew that you needed time to stop. And he designed it to where once a week you do that. You stop and you refuel because he knows your limitations. God says, you need a Sabbath. You need a time where you have a mental, emotional, and physical reset and rest. Okay, so that's the rhythm. I mean, God set the example for us at creation. Not because God needed to rest, because he said, they need to see my example, and that's what you have. But I would suggest this. I would suggest that even with your Sabbath day, what I notice all throughout the Psalms over and over and over again is this word selah, which means pause. So I would suggest that, yes, you need a weekly Sabbath, but you need daily selah. What if, and I would venture that most of you have this available to you, by law, you're required to have breaks at work, a lunch break, 15-minute breaks here and there. What if you just said, during one of those times, for five, 10 minutes, I say love. For five, 10 minutes, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pause. I'm gonna turn on my favorite worship song because I know that I need to recenter. Jesus would retreat constantly. He observed the Sabbath. He kept the Sabbath holy, but beyond that, there were times when he was just like, all right, guys, see you later. See, see you in a little bit. I'll meet you out on the sea. I'll just walk out there to you. Be right there. Like he, he would retreat. He'd spend those times doing that. And you've got to know that too. Another thing that can cause us to, uh, to fall on empty is being unaware of leaks. The fact is there are things in our lives that are draining. And some of you have some relationships at work or school, possibly even home, that are draining you. Because some people are what I would call straw people. They suck the joy and energy out of you. They can even suck God's vision out of you. And sometimes with those people, you just have to slap them. And I'm kidding, don't. That's, that's what you feel like doing. But I would say this, you do need to understand boundaries. You do need to understand boundaries, but I would challenge you that it might be even a little deeper than that. Maybe the reason why it feels like they suck from you is because you don't see them the way Jesus sees them. Because nobody ever came up to Jesus and Jesus was like, 
They suck. They just drain me. Well, because Jesus was able to see potential and Jesus was able to see between the lines and the hurt and the pain. And the fact is that most people that are like that, it's because there's something that's broken. And maybe, just maybe, instead of you feeling like, oh, here we go again, maybe the Lord keeps putting you in their path daily because you're gonna help encourage them. You're gonna help breathe life into them. Something to consider. So what are some of the leaks? Some of the leaks that can happen to you. Criticism. That's a hidden link. Disappointment. Frustration. Even grief. Even grief. I've personally walked through this in a couple of seasons in life where because of loss, just loss, it doesn't always have to be loss of a loved one. It can just be loss. Loss of... Loss of time, loss of loss causes grief, and grief can be a leak. And these are some of the common leaks. Another thing, always being in a hurry. Always being in a hurry. And this is one that I'm definitely guilty of. I get in a hurry a lot. And and the, the crazy thing is there's no reason for me to be in a hurry. Like, I will get in a hurry getting ready to go on a trip in the car. Like, why am I in a hurry to get in the car? But then even when I get in the car, I'm in a hurry. I'm just in a hurry the whole time. How many of you men can relate to this? Like, I'll get out on the highway, and now it is a mission. And I will drive nine miles an hour over the speed limit. Why am I being so specific? Because nine, you're fine, 10, you're mine. That's what I've heard. I don't know if it's true. I've had some officers of the law confirm it with me. But the thing is, I'm watching these cars I'm passing, right? I'm like, yeah, Mm. yeah. Passing cars, making good time, on a mission. I got to pee. No. <laughs> Find a bottle. Something we cannot stop. Because if we stop all those cars that I have so effectively passed will pass us. Uh, and I'm missing the journey. Missing the journey, you know? Looking at my GPS ETA, I can beat that. Yeah, I can beat that. I know I can beat that. Always in a hurry. Fact is, when you're in a hurry, you're gonna burn more fuel. Like practically speaking with your vehicle, you know, your car is designed that it runs at an optimal capacity with its miles per gallon at a certain RPM, and, and if you get a little bit beyond that, if you're trying to push the speed, well, then you're not even good, getting good gas mileage. Uh, but God designed you the same way. He designed you to operate at an optimal capacity. 
in the way that you walk through your day. And if you are hurrying, then you are burning more fuel. When you're in a hurry, I've also noticed that Satan will try to offer you shortcuts. When you're in a hurry, it's like, yeah, I know this is what the word says, but it's much more convenient for me to do it this way. It's easier and faster if I do it the way I wanna do it. But most important, I think you have to know that godly love, sacrificial love, agape love, and hurry can't coexist. You will never be able to love anybody the way that Jesus loves them and the way that he would call you to love them when you're in a hurry. And the reason why I know this is because Jesus demonstrated it over and over again. The faster your pace of life, the quicker that you're gonna run out of gas, the quicker you're gonna run on fumes. And that's why Jesus was never in a hurry. No matter what the problem, no matter what was going on, Jesus was never in a hurry. He, was ne- he wasn't even in a hurry when he found out his best friend was sick. He found out his best friend sick. Everybody's like, come now, come now, come now. He's like, I'm cool. I'll just raise him from the dead. It would be nice if we had that. But maybe the point is we trust him. Maybe the point is we just trust him so we don't hurry. Even when the urgent. We live in this culture. Everything is urgent. It needs to happen. No. Come on. And that's why we're like, Chick-fil-A is touched by God. That's why I've seen you guys like tweaking on your seven brew, right? (laughs) Because you're like, man, things need to happen so quick. But I'm convinced so strongly that the enemy operates in the unnecessary urgent. He just loves that anxious space. Another reason we don't pay attention to our gauges. We don't pay attention to our gauges. Uh, Have you ever known anyone, I don't know, that like ran out of gas because they just didn't notice where their gas was? I I know someone. I'm not gonna look at her, I mean them right now, but it's crazy because it's like, how, how did you, so there's this light that they've designed it to look like a fueling station, but not only that, but we have technology now, your car will talk to you, fuel level low, fuel level Dangerously low. Fill up gas now. Hey, babe, I ran out of gas. How? I just didn't notice. Oh, man. But it can happen. It's happened to me before. Like being on a road trip and, you know, you're jamming out. You're just like, 
especially if you're like trying to stay awake and stuff and you're just like just trying to get somewhere and, and next thing you know, you're running on fumes in the northern New Mexico desert, driving through the fog. There are some places you don't wanna run out of gas, right? I've been in some places even here in Arkansas. I'm like, this is the last place you ever run or run out of gas. Like you roll down the windows, you're pretty sure you hear banjo music playing in the woods. There are some places you don't wanna run out of gas, but if you don't pay attention to your gauges, you can run out of gas. God has given you some gauges. The people who love you know those gauges. You need to be open and teachable and humble to let them see your gauges and tell you what your gauges are, but it might be irritability. I'm getting a little irritable. Okay. The gas light's on. Worry. Anxiousness. Drama. Conflict. Maybe just a lack of patience. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. But what patience is, it's godly adaptability. When you have that fruit, it means things can go completely wrong, not the way I want them to go. And I'm at rest and I'm at peace because I know the Lord's got this and I can adapt. Not knowing where the gas station is. Where do you get refueled? So let me pastor you here, and what I'm saying is for you, not to put guilt on you. But a lot of people are out of gas because they miss God's house way too much. Because there's too many other things that have taken away from the Lord's day. But the fact is, those things can never replace how God wants to fill you're, you're designed very specifically to need the body of Christ, to gather with the saints. That's why his word says, don't forsake it. It's not a, you should, it's a, you need. You need, okay, so maybe the issue is not, you don't know where the gas station is, but it's more like this. Have you ever been driving and you know that you need to get gas? And you're looking at your GPS, and the GPS says there's a gas station, this next exit. And you're like, I can make it to the next one. I'm sure I can make it down to the next one. Well, maybe you get in a lot of seasons where you think that way about God's house. Yeah, I'm gonna miss this one, but I'll be back. But then you miss the next exit. And before you know it, something that was just every once in a while, becomes more of a routine. And then it's like every season when there's this other thing that you're driving towards, you put that to the side. Again, not guilt, not shame, just the word of God, what he wants for you. Too many other things have become a higher priority than gathering with the body of Christ. 
So lock in. Start this month because God wants to speak to you. I believe he's got a word for you every single weekend. Something that is going to fill you up. And here's the thing. I believe that's the case even when the preaching's not very good. Even when the preaching is like, okay, whatever. If you come into this place with an openness and an anticipation that you're gonna meet with God and his spirit is gonna minister to you, he will speak to you. He's got a word for you. Every time. And you need it because it fills you. It helps you. So make plans to not miss. It happens every once in a while. It happens, but let it be the exception and not the rule. Make plans to be at candlelight. Bring somebody with you. We talked about, like, make it a tradition, but let's make it a tradition where it's not this tradition. It's, we go to candlelight every year. Check. What if... Instead of that, it is a tradition for our family, but it is an evangelistic tool. Every single year, this is a time where we know more people are willing to come to church than other times during the year. And because of that, we're gonna capitalize on it and it is gonna be something for our family, but we're gonna pray, we're gonna make it our goal and aim that we're gonna invite somebody to come and encounter Emmanuel. And I can't overemphasize how important it is that your kids and your grandkids watch you worship God and lock into his word. If for no other reason they need to see their mom, their dad, their grandma, their grandpa, they need to see their family consistent at God's house, in God's word, fellowshipping and worshiping with God's people. Why is it so important? Because your lowest standard will be their highest standard. So if you say we're gonna attend church two times a month, guess what? They're gonna hit it maybe once, but maybe none. That's just the way it works. That's the way leadership works. So set that standard and set that example. Let's look at this verse, 2 Samuel 3, 39. It says, even though I am the appointed king, I feel empty. So this is Paul saying, and this is what he's saying. So you may be on top of your game. You may be living your best life. You can have a massive promotion and still be empty. You may be at the pinnacle of your career. But David says, even though I'm king, I feel empty inside. The world's standard of success cannot be your measurement. What did Jesus have to say about all this? In John 10, 10, it says, the thief comes, not, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the what? Full. So what does Jesus have to say when we come to him with the emptiness of our lives with an empty soul, an empty heart, empty character? How does Jesus respond when you say, I've got nothing to give, I am out of gas, I'm living on fumes? Does he scold you? No. In fact, he does the opposite. So let's look at another text, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. It says this, come to me, 
come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We're going to unpack that. He didn't say, come to me. And I'm going to give you a whole bunch of new things that you need to do. He says, come and I will give you what? Rest. How do we get filled and how do we live full? First, if you want to be full, you got to get fed up. What do I mean? Nothing in your life is going to change until you're dissatisfied with how you're living your life. You have to come to the point in your life where you say, I'm just not going to live this way anymore. Nothing happens until you get desperate. We taught on Jonah a few months back, and we, we learned that, that some people have to hit rock bottom before they cry out to God. But you don't have to hit rock bottom. You can make the choice. The lights can come on, and you can just know that God has a better life, a better plan, a deeper meaning for you. Yes, some people only change through pain, but some people can just change in God's presence. Where God changes perspective, changes the way that we see our life. Jesus starts by saying, if you're tired, just come to me. Just come to me. Let me just be honest with you. If you're self-satisfied, Maybe you're even a little bit smug about what's happening in your life, what's going on. Like, I don't, I don't need anything. Nothing needs to improve in my life. Then Jesus doesn't really have much to offer you. But if you're tired from carrying heavy loads, Jesus has the solution. I met with someone recently, and one of the things I said is, I just feel so broken. Feel so broken. And maybe some of you, that's the way you feel. Like, I'm just so broken. Good news. A breakdown can be the door to a breakthrough. I see God use breakdowns over and over and over again for a breakthrough. You get to choose if he uses it. The breakdown of your pride, your arrogance, your self-sufficiency, the breakdown when you say, I know that I can't do this on my own. That breakdown can be a door to a breakthrough. Number two, make a move towards Jesus. You gotta recognize where you're at, that you don't wanna be there anymore. You're dissatisfied and then you take a step. Come to Jesus. You bring the frustrating and the painful. You bring the shameful things of your life. You bring the exhausting things in your life. You bring everything and you just come to Jesus. Again, our text, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Who do you come to? Jesus. What does he give you back? Rest. When I read through the Bible, what I've seen is people came to Jesus for a lot of different reasons. And some of those reasons were good and some of those reasons were bad. Some people came to Jesus because they needed forgiveness. Some came for healing. Some came for advice. Some came to accuse. Some came to criticize. Some came for eternal life. 
They had a question, but you know what I see over and over again? Jesus didn't care why people came to the, him. He just wanted them to come to him. Every time, that's all he, it's like, just come. John 6, 37 says this, whoever comes to me, I will never reject. So here's the question. What do you do? What do you do when you are physically, spiritually, and emotionally exhausted, mentally exhausted? What's your first choice? Watch a movie? Do a hobby? Do an exercise? Sport? You know what? Those are all good things. They're good things. But none of them can restore your soul. So if you're living your life for the next vacation, the next time you get to go and enjoy your hobby, the next time your soul is still empty and you're still broken. The last thing, take his yoke. The real reason for overload and exhaustion in your life is because you are trying to control things too much. That's the real reason. The real reason is there are things that the Lord has put into your life, he has put into your hand, but you are walking around with those things in a clenched fist trying to control everything instead of living life with an open hand and trusting the Lord. And it's exhausting trying to control things. He says, take my yoke upon you. What's he talking about? Well, there's two meanings to this. One, the yoke within Jewish culture for every rabbi, and Jesus was a rabbi, the yoke referred to their specific type of teaching. Okay, so the one thing he's saying, he's saying my teaching under a new covenant is so much better. It's so much better. Under my teaching, it's light. It's not religious. It's not judgmental. You get to eat bacon. My teaching is good. So he's talking about that, but he's also talking about the physical thing, a yoke. What is a, a yoke? It is a piece of wood that is designed for two animals. You put that yoke, it's a, that put that yoke over their necks, typically an oxen or a cattle. And then those two animals work together to pull the load, the cart, the wagon, the plow, whatever it is. So what Jesus is saying is, if you will allow me, I will team up with you. I'll put my yoke on you and I will help you carry your burden. The burden is there. The burden is there because of the, the curse. The burden is there because of sin. The burden is there because of the broken world that we live in. The, the, the burden is there sometimes because of your own choices. And even in spite of any of those reasons, what Jesus says, I will team up with you and I'll help you pull this thing. I'll help you do it. But he also says this. He says, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. The New Living Translation says, my yoke fits perfectly. Jesus, being a carpenter, would have made a few yokes. He would have made a few yokes, and he would have made them pretty special, pretty specific to the person that was asking him because, hey, I need to see your cows. I need to see your oxen. I want to make a yoke 
that isn't going to give them sores, that isn't going to rub them the wrong way. Have you ever had like a tailored dress or a tailored suit? I'm proud to say I've never had a tailored dress. But I did get a tailored suit. One time I was on a missions trip over in Thailand and we had been there for about six weeks, but towards the end of it, we had a few days off. And so I'm in Bangkok and I went to a place where you could get a tailored suit. So they go in, you get to pick all the fabric, they take your measurements, and in a couple of days, you'll have a fitted shirt, you'll have a fitted three-piece suit. I mean, it, it's awesome, and it's like 120 bucks, okay? And, and there's, there's nothing like having something that was made just for you. It won't fit anybody else the way that it fits you. I'll tell you what, it gives you some confidence. I was wearing one of those suits the first time. I asked Cody out on a date. Okay, let's be honest. My mom actually asked her out first to go to lunch with us, but eventually I came around. But I'm telling you, that suit didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. What am I saying? Jesus says, I'm a carpenter. When we team up together, the load you bear, it will be perfectly fitted to you. What does that mean? It isn't that you don't have a load. It means you're gonna have favor with the load. It means you're gonna have grace for the load. It means you're gonna have confidence for the load. You will even get energy from the load instead of the load draining your energy when you're teamed up with Jesus. Let him put his yoke, let him. You're gonna carry it anyway. It's either gonna wear you out and exhaust you. And here's the thing. If you're in a yoke by yourself and there's not someone teaming up with you, you know what happens when a yoke is on one animal? They go in circles. They go in circles. Some of you, man, you're in that place right now. You are in a cycle of circles. It's time. Time to put his yoke on. He's, he's fashioned it to fit you perfectly. Psalm 55, 22 says, pile all your troubles on God's shoulders. He'll carry your load and help you out. You're teamed up with someone who is gentle and lowly. Why does he say that? Because so much of our emptiness comes from ambition and arrogance. So if you wanna be filled, the key component to God moving in any one of our lives at any given point is typically the catalyst is going to be humility. It's being honest. I'm just saying, yeah, that's me. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. If you know you're on empty, you know you've been carrying this, you can relate and connect with some of the things the Lord was speaking through this word. I would just invite you that even there in your chair, I want you just to put both your hands out in front of you. And some of you, you, you don't really ever do this, but let me explain to you what this symbolizes. When you hold your hands out in front of you, when you lift your hands before the Lord, it's a two-way conversation. One thing you're communicating is, I give up. I surrender. I surrender, but the thing that's coming back is, God, fill me up. 
I surrender. But now I'm like a funnel. My hands are open, not closed. They're open to what you have for me. And Father, every person that's in that space, as they lift their hands to you physically, would you spiritually take, take it, God. Take it. Take the stress. Take the anxiety. Take it. You're not surprised by any of it. It was never your plan and desire for us to carry it alone. Take it. Take it. And then, Father, pour. Pour, Father, by your Spirit, like the healing balm of Gilead. Pour. Restore. Fill your grace, the fruit of your spirit, <coughs> who you are, poor. Some of you, you feel empty and you've always felt empty. You've never, you've never felt satisfaction. You've never felt peace. You've never felt joy. You've never felt hope. And it may be because you've never even once be been filled with Jesus because you've never surrendered to him. He won't fill where he's not welcome. He won't fill where there isn't confession because there's something already occupying that space. You've got to pour yourself out so that he can pour himself in. And some of you, you have, you've just been living for the next whatever depending on it to fill you, the next car, the next truck, the next house, the next gun, the next relationship, the next drink. And you know right now, as you're sitting there, you recognize none of it's worked. That's because you were created. You were created by a heavenly father who loves you for one purpose, and that is to know him and make him known. And if you're ready to surrender to him, you recognize, well, God's speaking to you right now, you recognize, man, I don't have a relationship. And if you're ready, if you're ready to start that relationship, I wanna pray with you. And I'm just gonna ask you to be vulnerable enough and humble enough to admit that you need him. Now that's you, I want you to put your hand up right now. As soon as, as, soon as I see you, you can put your hand down. I need him. I'm ready to call on Jesus right now. I'm ready to surrender to him. I got you right back here. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? I'm ready to surrender to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? I got you, friend. I see you back there. Anyone else? I'm ready to surrender to Jesus. I'm tired of being empty. I'm tired, I'm broken. I need a savior. Anyone else? Yeah, they're at the back, thank you. Okay, I got you guys, thank you. Let's just all repeat this prayer. Even if you have a relationship with God, these prayers, <laughs> they're still true. So let's repeat it. Repeat this prayer. Say, Jesus, I need you because I'm broken. 
I'm broken in my sin. But I believe that you died for me. You paid the price on my cross for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness and I turn towards you. I repent. Thank you, Jesus, you, that you defeated my sin. You defeated death itself when you rose from the grave. Thank you for heaven, but thank you for my purpose. I wanna live it for you. Father, that is our prayer. Every person in this room, but especially for those that have never prayed that prayer or for the first time, your spirit is leading them, convicting them. And we thank you for that new relationship and that new journey in you. We give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.